This is Right at the Fork, and this is Chris Angeles. And we're going to be talking about breakfast today. But beyond breakfast, some of the most wonderful things that you can do in Portland and in Oregon, of course, first off, that would be eating. But second off, that would be, or secondly, it would be walking that off on a beautiful hike in some of the incredible places that we have in the gorge, out at the coast, around Portland. And to talk about that, we have Paul Gerald, who has written Breakfast in Bridgetown, and he's written a couple of books about hikes in Portland, and he'll be talking about that. And uh, breakfast is an important part of the Portland landscape, uh, breakfast and brunch, and Paul does a fantastic job in laying that all out for us, and um, he's written uh, his third edition that's coming out uh, in May, and uh, as I say on the, uh, in my talk with him, it's absolutely necessary that if you love food, you have Paul's book on your bookshelf, and actually open in front of you would be a better idea. So um, we'll talk to Paul Gerald right now. These weird scenes. Why is it that I'm always commenting on everybody's wardrobe the minute I see them? I didn't shave. This is the this is the longest this has been in a while. <laughs> Figure I'm going away and I'm going to let it grow, probably until the day before I get on the plane. Oh, I'm getting on the plane tomorrow. Where are you going? See my niece get married. Oh, nice. Washington D.C. Oh, Washington D.C. Cherry blossoms at their peak. Beautiful. Yep. Uh, you just reminded me my uh, my honeymoon was in April. April. Around this time of year oh, in Washington, D.C. Nice. We stayed at the Watergate. It was beautiful. <laughs> Anybody break into your room? No. <laughs> they probably should have. <laughs> no one wanted to break into that room. Believe me. <laughs> break out, maybe. So so how long are you going? Uh, I'll be there through the weekend. You got eating plans? Whatever the family's got lined up. I'm, oh, so I'm not that's not, that you're stuff. not doing the research on that? Nope. Nope. When I go to Memphis afterwards, I'm taking my girlfriend there and... We got it all lined up with real buttermilk biscuits and country she ham. She eats pretty well, and, doesn't she? Yeah. And she runs, too, which is an advantage over me. She can yeah. like, eat whatever she wants and still be skinny. Yeah, it's amazing how that works. <laughs> and and someday she, I always am concerned someday she's going to look and go, I'm working real hard, but what's he doing? <laughs> yeah. I'm not concerned for you, but that's what always happens to me. So <laughs> Right. So um, thanks for coming. You've got uh, You've been really busy lately. You've been... Work in your book. Yep. Breakfast in Bridgetown. Which edition is this? This will be the third edition. Third. I just got the uh, galley proof from the designer yesterday. We are hopefully going to the printer early next week. Nice. So how often do you do the editions? You know, the original plan was every couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, so I did one in 2008, one in 2010, and now it's been four years. Okay. Well, <laughs> but you've been out doing other books. You have right. other things going on yeah. in your life. Because I do the hiking books and camping books and you know, try to earn a living in the meantime. And are you earning a living with the, you know, people wonder, you know, it's funny mm -hmm. the, with a lot of things I do, many people say you ought to write a book. Mm -hmm. And my new comeback is, but I don't think anybody's making money. No, there's an books. old uh, saying in publishing that uh, the, the way you make a small fortune in publishing is start with a big fortune. <laughs> so uh, are you no, doing it for uh, the you know, love or how is it? And I'm not I'm yeah, not yeah. purporting to say you're not making any money. I'm sure you're making <laughs> some money, but I could have sent my financials down before if you wanted me no, to. No, 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 no not that at all. I'm just No, I, it's I, uh, each book makes a little bit of money and um 
So I've got five books out. So each one makes a little, and then there's some freelance writing work. And then there's, I work for a travel company here in town called Embark Adventures that do adventure travel all around the world. Oh, nice. So I run their website and write all their marketing materials. And starting next year, I'm actually going to get uh, lead trips. So I'll get to go to Nepal next year. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And what's so that each trip of those things kind of t- together, you know, leads, or builds up to breaking even. Well, you know, <laughs> it's interesting because, uh, you know, I put, I'm pasting together a number of things too. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the economy we're in, the, it's, it's the sure. age we're in. Yeah. And those of us who like to be able to jump around and travel, that's kind of what you have to do. Exactly. I've always uh, uh, valued time and flexibility over money. If I've got a little bit of money, but I'm flying out to D.C. in the morning, that's fine. And you're happy, too. Yeah. And yeah. you're eating very well. <laughs> and you're hiking very well. And I hike very well, too, yeah. So yeah. is that why you, it took four years between editions? Because the scene changes. Yeah. You have to keep up with it. Yeah. You know, Cindy, her happy hour guidebook, that needs to be updated. because every, She does it every year. Yeah. And yeah. that's and it's reinventing the wheel almost every almost. year. Almost. But she also does. I mean, she has other work, but that's the only book she does. Right. Producing a book. But is that's a not easy. She's got to go a lot of places. I know. And and then put it together. And then it's the work outselling it and doing totally. She does a lot of events. You don't do as many events. Right. Because I got other stuff going on. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> and I don't really like, I mean, I like events and I like organizing stuff, but it's not really my strong suit. You know, what well, I like to do is go. So that's yeah, all but, it takes, really. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But I, uh, what I really like to do is just go do stuff and write about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I enjoy going out and selling the books, but you know it's not. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in full time marketing mode like uh, like she has to be. So I have a question for you. You did an Indiegogo mm-hmm. campaign for the current edition, That's which right. just ended. Just ended. Um, so and I guess the the jury's still out on this, right? Because whatever you raise mm-hmm. is a certain amount of money. Yep. And. And I'm I'm sorry, I'm only asking you these things because I think a lot of people are interested oh, yeah. in how you market these things. And a lot of people are actually nervous to ask about money. It's yeah, funny. Well, people I'm not, don't even want to ask I'm not what my ask rent you is. How much, what, I'm not going to ask <laughs> you to produce your, your, te, your uh, 1040, but, um, but I'm curious. So you, you did the Indiegogo, yep. and afterwards there's a lot of administration involved because you've got a lot of people who gave and they're getting, you're going to send them books, you're mm-hmm. doing parties, and you've got to figure all that out. Right. Uh, you know, you, your publisher's not doing that for you. I'm the publisher. You're the publisher. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the <laughs> publisher the, is doing that for you. And the marketing you. and sales team and exactly. uh, the whole whole crew. Yeah. So do you think at the end of the day, whatever you raised was is going to be worth it to have have it up front? Or do you, uh, do you ever yes. read on that yet? I mean, whatever no the amount of work between here and there is, uh, the answer to that is yes. Because uh, basically what I paid for is printing the books. And... Um, to me, that's worth it. Really, the work going forward is I drop everybody's name in the acknowledgments of the book. That's easy. Uh, at some point, I'll have a big mailing party with a bunch of envelopes and books and address labels and, oh, so that's how and ship it all out. Um, and, and But a lot of them I'll deliver in person because a lot of them are people I know or they paid to come to the launch party, so they'll just get their books there. Um, so, yeah, it's really just a matter of distributing a bunch of books and then, uh, you know, hosting a party. No, you still got to keep up with the list. You know, you have you have oh, yeah. a lot of donors, so you yeah. got to know what to do. And yeah, but they, you know, Indiegogo makes it uh, makes it really easy because it's all you know they track everything on the back end, and you export a spreadsheet, and it's literally got the addresses and everything in there. And I just uh, so get why'd all you that decide on. Indiegogo versus Kickstarter? Is that because you get uh, you get the funding even you if can, you don't hit your goal? Or? Yeah, that's one reason. Uh, either one of them keeps four percent. 
And uh, on Kickstarter, you got to meet your goal to get anything. Uh, so Indiegogo, why would anybody do Kickstarter versus Indiegogo? Better known, I think, is the main thing. That's it? I think I assume. Because I know someone who, uh, who had a restaurant who started with Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. That didn't work. She moved everybody over to Indiegogo. Oh. Well, another I, reason uh, that may be the case, in my case, the, the real clincher was on Indiegogo, you can give away third-party goods, like in my case, gift certificates right. to restaurants. Uh, and you can give away other people's books, in my case. Uh, Kickstarter, you can't do that. Really? They don't have a mechanism to do that. Right. Well, they're just in their policies. You can't do it. I wonder what that policy's why, Who knows. why but, they have uh, that policy. So as it turns out, I didn't, I actually, it's funny, I actually made my real goal. I was shooting for $4,000 and like in all of my budgeting and everything, that's the number I wanted. So I went on the on the website and said 6000 Well, yeah, you got to shoot a little higher. <laughs> yeah. And I got 4200 So what'd you mm-hmm. learn in this edition that you didn't know before? What's the newest, your newest favorite breakfast out there? Uh, the best brunch I had last year was a Taula. And uh, not even close. Like, completely blew my mind. Really? Yeah. Because what happens to me is... I love those folks. We did a Portland Food Adventures dinner there, and oh, it was okay. fantastic. I bet it was, yeah. Um, and we I don't know if they have... brunch, though. Brunch, I gotta, yeah. we got to do brunch. It's only 10 to 2 on Sundays, and I don't know if they've developed lines yet or not. We walked right in at like 10.30 on a beautiful Sunday morning and sat right down with six people, and so, no worries. With the hundreds of thousands of people listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> there's going to be a line. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes, I have that kind of pull. <laughs> I have no doubt. <laughs> so what? Uh, what? Uh, so what stood out there? What do you have a dish that you remember that stood out? You know, they had like a what? What you would technically is like an open-faced ham sandwich, but that's like so far short of what that thing was. I mean, the bread, all the ingredients, just perfect. It was like a Spanish-style ham, and it had some kind of greens on it. And I don't even remember what that that whole meal just became like this blur because there were six of us, and we got like ten or eleven plates. So every time you look around, here comes something else, like this little pastry, like little donut thing. Oh, my. The donuts even, are pretty amazing. I don't even remember what fork? it's called. Yeah, stuck, did they stick yeah. them on the floor? Oh, yeah, a little bit of cream in the middle. Yeah. Oh, it was just outrageous. Those they <laughs> serve, that, that was for dessert at dinner. We, we started that. and ended with that. We oh, started okay. with it because that's just what they brought first, and then we had like 10 other things. And then as we were wrapping up, somebody was like, eh, I got us another one. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Why not? Well, I'm yeah. glad to hear you liked it because they're just fantastic people over yeah. there. Well, yeah, and the guy came out and, uh, you know, he had his baby Jose? there. And, yeah, Jose, he came out and said hello, and we talked about his his dad ran a restaurant in Barcelona, and uh, we there were talking about, uh, I'm a big soccer fan, so we talked about the Spanish soccer team, and, you know. So cool. how much of the eating experience for you is the experience versus the food? Because oh, for gosh. me, mm-hmm. it's the people I'm with can make or break Mm-hmm. You know, you can have great food. Obviously, yeah. that's there. But uh, I think it's, for me, the the social experience I have at a restaurant is very important. Me too. Is that, yeah. Yeah, I'd say 70% of it. And and that's most of what I write about. So, but are you doing a lot of this research by yourself? Because at some point you have to say, I got to get out and you can't, right. you don't have people to yeah. go with. Right. Uh, ideally, what I do is I go to each place twice. Uh, what I'll do is go once with a group of people and we all order different food and we just kind of, some, sometimes it's just interesting to throw eight people at a restaurant at 10 o'clock on a weekend and see what happens. You know, how do they handle that? Well, then how do you get in? I mean, how do, well, you, try take ta- how do you try tasting sons like I, that? I, I don't on the weekends. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, mean, being self-employed, yeah. I mean, I, there are places I don't go anywhere near. You know, I love tasting sons. I like the stepping stone. I wouldn't go to stepping stone on the weekend, you know, for anything. Because you're going to wait an hour and a half. Like, what? Well, who needs it? And Screen Door, I mean, I love Screen Door, but now I realize they take reservations. That's something that's changed. For they, two? No, for six or more. Six or more. They okay. save like three tables, I think, at opening time. 
9 a.m. And I mean, if you're not all there at like 9.05, back of the line. So when do you need to make that reservation? Just during the week. Anytime during the week, you can call. I mean, until they fill those three tables, but uh, it doesn't seem to be common knowledge yet. But I'm now the hundreds. And do all six of you have to be there? So if you go, the other four people crapped out on us. Yeah, we had one person running late and was texting me like, "I'm really trying to get there," and I was literally. What is it with those people? I was going to grab somebody out of the line. I don't understand why you're going to be late on a Sunday morning. What what can be late? My all-time favorite was one time we we had nine o'clock reservation someplace. And this, no, it was 10 o'clock reservations, and a friend of mine texted me at 8.30 and said, I'm running late. <laughs> like, you've got an hour, and you already know you're late. I mean, I'm, what how, what is that mentality? Yeah, I, no I got idea. a person from an event who who wrote me a week ahead of time and said their babysitter canceled. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't really get that. You know, I raised two kids myself. I, uh-huh. I went to, like, five minutes before to try to work it out. Not, not a, I didn't give up a week before. But. Anyways, was she trying to get a refund or something? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. But, and, you know, <laughs> trying to go against policy. But that's mm. neither here nor there. Yeah. So um, how important do you think breakfast is in the Portland food scene? If you, you know, Portland's got quite a reputation. Breakfast yeah. is interesting and it's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting is I also find a lot of chefs don't eat breakfast. That's Well, yeah, they're well, they were. Right. They work too late. Yeah. They're not breakfast people. You ask right. them where they go to breakfast. I don't like breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a breakfast person, but um, how important is breakfast in the, it in the whole scheme of things? It seems to be extremely important. I mean, you just, the sheer number of them, you know, uh, it seems like every restaurant at some point tries a weekend brunch, and most of them make it for at least a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think part of it, I guess they make, like, the margins better on breakfast than any other meal, because um, really, it's eggs and bacon and bread. Right, and, you know. and it's also for... Diners, it's less expensive to go out for breakfast and lunch, and yeah. you've got brunch than yeah. for dinner. Yeah, and it seems that like the idea that you might wait a half hour, but then you're going to spend an hour and a half at the table, and you're going to kind of linger and hang out. That seems to happen a lot more at brunch than dinner. You know, there's mm-hmm. not many places in town where you're going to wait that kind of time to get in for dinner, and there seems to be a little more pressure to turn that table over. Right. Um. So yeah, it's just like. You know, there was a PBS documentary that traveled around the States, like, about breakfast. Mm-hmm. And uh, they interviewed somebody in Portland, and she said, well, we don't go to church. We go to brunch, <laughs> which is kind of true. So it's, do you think do you think uh, breakfast is a larger part of the food scene here from an index standpoint than it is elsewhere? Any other place I've been, yeah. I mean, Seattle uh, has quite a few, but I, mean, I don't really know the Seattle scene that well. Um, but people in other cities, I tell them I wrote a book about places to eat breakfast, and they're like, really, just a whole book about breakfast? And you tell people in Portland that, they it's say, oh, yeah, not surprise. Right. Yeah, it's not, it's, yeah. Yeah. No. Like, how did you get them all in? And I didn't. You know, there's probably, my current best guess is on a given Sunday, because anybody that serves breakfast is serving it on Sunday. It's probably 160 to 175 places in Portland. In I would Portland, think there'd be more. Not the, not the suburbs, nothing. Yeah. Really? That's that's my best guess. There's 120. And, and what percentage of those are their lines? Oh, maybe 30 of them at the most. That was the other thing that I really discovered uh, is that this idea that you have to wait for a good brunch is complete nonsense. Where don't you have to wait other than Atala? Uh Chico, at least last I saw. Right. No, they... uh, Irving Street Kitchen, uh, Sunshine Tavern, I think is really good brunch. Mm-hmm. Um, Gosh, I don't even know because I never go to places that <laughs> that have a line. Uh, I mean, if you're waiting in line at uh, Screen Door uh, or Cadillac Cafe or Milo's or some of those places, 
then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they're all perfectly good places. Nothing wrong with them, but I personally don't wait an hour for brunch. So right. um, that comes from the authority. Everybody. <laughs> well, listening. I'm also. I should. I should. You're out hiking I, instead, right? I, and and I should healthy. also like the asterisk there is that I work for myself, so I'll go to, you know, the stepping stone on Thursday. Right. I do. <laughs> I do the same thing. Yeah. Who needs? But I'll still. Hmm. I'll still attempt Broder on a weekend. Just, sure. You just need to get there early enough, right? And they and you can uh, you can wait next door. And it's yeah. beautiful and coffee and all yeah. that. Yeah, that's the other thing is very few places get a line before like nine thirty or ten. There's a few like Simpatica, Screen Door, I mean they open and they're full. Right. Um. But yeah, it's uh. So what's and, your? I, I I have to ask this, no, sure. and you don't have to answer it because it's hard. What's <laughs> your? What is the best breakfast you've ever had in Portland? One experience that you remember that was hands down the yeah. one that they they would do the movie if they did the movie that <laughs> it should start there. Oh, uh, wow, well, I hadn't thought about it. Usually people just ask, What's my favorite? which is equally impossible. Um, That's impossible. But actually, you know what? I was just listening to one of your uh, previous shows about Acadia. Mm-hmm. They used to do brunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of the best brunches I ever had. They had a bananas foster French toast that just should be illegal. Adam, if you're listening. <laughs> I, I know. I wish you had call in. I was listening to that. I was like, I want to call in and say, dude, where's the bring back the brunch? Well, he probably has thought about it. He must have specific reasons for not doing it. Oh, well, maybe but, he just wants a day off. I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, Katie was there. Um, what else? Golly, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Uh, I, I had one last September. Oh, yeah. At uh, Tasty and Sons. Oh, sure. That uh, was pretty amazing. Yeah, I'd say the first time I went in there, because I used to have a podcast and had John Gorham on. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a little brush with fame, because I show up with six or seven people, and John comes out and greets me and gives us a couple of free plates. And everybody was like, look at Paul. <laughs> yeah, no. It's... You know, and that was the first time I'd had the potatoes bravas and the other stuff. I don't even remember. Just I'm trying to remember because the impetus for Portland Food Adventures came when I was at Tasting Sons mm. and I was talking to John. The original idea f- that I was going to do was do some kind of travel programming for people. Mm-hmm. And I wanted the seats at the counter at mm-hmm. Tasting Sons. So I went in, had, was talking to John about that, and I just happened to ask him, where are your favorite places for breakfast? Mm-hmm. And he reeled off, and I only remember two of them now. I wish I would have written them down, mm. but, and I went to... I think I went to more than one, but one was Fuller's. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which he, and I'd never heard of. Right. So, because uh, I was fairly new in Portland. And the other one was the Little Red Bike Cafe, mm. which, of course, they're, they're not around any longer. Yeah. But I had an incre- such an incredible little breakfast there. It was so cute, and they mm-hmm. were so nice to me. They actually came out. I was eating with a friend of mine, and they came out and said, they didn't know who I was. I didn't know anything. And they just came out and said, there's someone ordered this and didn't, they left. Would you like this? And I'm looking at these perfectly uh, sliced avocados placed on the plate and mm. strawberries and an omelet. And the, at that moment, I just was in love with the Portland food scene. And that, that was the, yeah, that was that the was moment. Your, that was your time. Yeah, huh. that Little Red Bike Cafe. So okay. Evan and Allie, I'm sorry they left Portland, but they're, they're back and forth. I follow okay. them on Facebook. Oh, okay, all right. But um, I remember feeling that way um, about Simpatica the first time I went there and had brunch. Mm-hmm. That it was just like, what a cool town this is. You know, I guess they. How start... long had you been here then? Uh, well, I mean, I've been here since '96, so whenever they opened, it's probably when I, you know, as soon as I started doing brunch. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I remember having was a, uh, like a, 
an apple, like a waffle, waffle, a waffle with apple compote and some uh, and some cream on I it. I think I had side that of too. Their bacon, Ugh. not the one you had. It wasn't leftover, but it was uh, right. It was. <laughs> Is that was that you? Yeah. <laughs> I looked around and my waffle. Thanks for was leaving gone. some of that. Appreciate <laughs> I'm it. Done with it. All right, so let's get a little healthier. Let's okay. talk about. I want to talk about a cup. Uh, this is a podcast about food, but yes. you're the guy. Where are your favorite hikes? Um, you've got well, you got a book. It's like asking yeah. about your favorite breakfast. But sure. I'll ask this specifically. Okay, an easy hike that someone can just take and not be huffing and puffing after breakfast, perhaps. Okay, <laughs> and uh, in the area that's just beautiful. Pretty and uh, you know an hour or two long. Uh, if in the area includes the gorge, and yep. if we're talking about this time, that's of where year, my brain was when sure. I said that. Yep. So. Because uh, right now, what happens is around here is that the spring starts out in the eastern gorge with green grass and wildflowers and it mo- and sunshine, and it moves this way. Mm-hmm. So right now, like the area around Hood River, there's a hike called Catherine Creek. Okay. which is uh, not too hard at all, and there's like over a hundred different species of wildflowers that bloom there in the next month say, you know, early April to mid to late May. Mm-hmm. Um, right across the river from there, a place called Tom McCall Nature Preserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, also super easy. Well, there's an easy hike and then kind of a moderate hike up a little hill. Um, but there's these little foot-tall sunflowers called balsam root that uh, bloom out there in lupin and all these other things. Um, those are good ones. I'll tell you, another one of my favorite uh, combo as far as breakfast and then the hike. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Is uh, to go to Camp 18. Right. On Highway 26, Camp, right? I've turned a few people onto that. And I <laughs> sure. wasn't turned onto it. I drove by it probably 90 times before I stopped there. Right. Because I, th- I used to think it was a logging museum. Yeah. No, which I, it is. I but didn't it also... know, Or I just thought it was a tourist trap. <laughs> it is but that it's too. Actually, yes. but, and the, <laughs> the food is not too bad. I no. just had a grilled cheese there last week. Yeah. That was uh, actually, no, my son had the grilled cheese with avocado mm. and I had... Uh, I had a steak sandwich, but their uh, breakfast with the, they serve the Marionberry com- the mm-hmm. Marionberry with the it's yeah. really good. Oh yeah. So we're so, out there. Then, I want to know the, that because oh, I'm Saddle passing Mountain. there. Saddle S- Mountain State Park. Saddle Mountain State Park. Yeah, it's a it's a slightly tougher hike, but uh, it's this old volcano that actually erupted underwater. So it's like all these dome shaped rock up on the top of the uh, mountain, and there's very few trees up there. So once you get up there, it's all these meadows with all these flowers everywhere, and you can see from the ocean to the Cascade. You can see Astoria. You can see four or five volcanoes on a clear day. I'm doing it. Yeah. What you might want to do is go really early to Saddle Mountain and then go to Camp 18. Okay. How long a hike is that? (laughs) Six miles round trip. Okay. So uh, another one, uh, just since we're kind of out on the road now, uh, the, the Huckleberry Inn and Government Camp. Ever been there? No. Um, it's right there in the middle of government camp, been there for a long time. And, uh, they got like, if you can imagine a use for a huckleberry, they've got it. Pancakes, ice cream, tea, bonbons, facial cream, doesn't matter. I mean, they got, so you go there and get some uh, huckleberry pancakes and then go hike something up on Mount Hood. Very nice. Yeah. So, um, coast, we, you and I have talked about oh, the coast. Yeah, I've been, sure. I've been discovering the coast breakfast. You yeah. Favorite breakfast? Oh, I love way? the Otis Cafe for sure. Yeah. The Otis Cafe um, and it's just fun. Yeah, it's just fun. And you get to go in that little room in the back to wait for the bathroom where they're baking the pies. I didn't do that. Oh, you didn't do that? You no. literally got to walk through the kitchen, like weave through the staff to get to this little tiny room with about an eight-foot ceiling to wait for the bathroom. And But that's the room where they mix and bake the pies. So sometimes you're in there, and there's this little oven in the corner with about ten pies in it in this tiny little room. It's just luscious. I, brought, I got a <laughs> loaf of bread from there, walked out, put it in the car, and then I went and 
did something else and my dog ate the entire loaf of bread. Oh, no. That's a lot of bread. That is a lot of bread for a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't think he got through the whole thing. There was like a chunk with bite marks mm. left. But um, By the way, the hike there is Cascade Head. Cascade Head. Yeah, I've a, seen that. Yeah, it's a nature conservancy owns it because there's a flower that grows there and a particular butterfly that when it's a caterpillar or whatever, eats that flower. And it's like the only place in the world that that caterpillar exists. It's a big meadow a thousand feet above the ocean. And how'd you find that out? You know, I started hiking, uh, researching the book. I just looked everywhere that I could to find the names of hikes. And, uh, you know, I guess I should mention it's called 60 Hikes Within 60 Miles of Portland. I'm yeah, not... well, we would have done that in okay. the intro right. or the outro. But no, that's <laughs> i got to be a good marketer fine. here, yeah. New edition coming this spring, folks. Yeah. Um, and how often do you update that? Because those don't years. change. Every three years. Well, why do you need to update that? Some of them change. Uh, they move trailheads or trails get relocated or something. Um, and then I just kind of switch some out. Like this time there'll be two in there that for years you couldn't do because the road was washed out. Yeah. Uh, so now they've rebuilt the roads. So you can go and do them. Again. And you got to do a whole edition because of that, well, that you know, problem. Yeah, why not? Or, do, or is the other reason that you do a new edition because it's a refresh and it yeah, gives you a reason to get out refresh and, and they uh, like the maps get better and, the you know, we just sort of get better at putting the book together and what information goes in there and how it looks and everything. So do you have a website that is a companion to the book? Uh, all of that is just at pauljerald.com. Okay. So I sort of do breakfast at breakfastinbridgetown.com, everything else at pauljerald.com. But I'm about to launch two new projects, Um, one about the Portland heritage trees. You know about those? No. Have you ever seen a really cool tree with a plaque on it? It says what kind of tree it is? Mm, Probably. I've I've seen cool trees, but I don't remember the plaques. (laughs) Well, there's about 300 of them around town that are like they get nominated and put on this list and they're protected as Portland heritage trees. So I'm going to do a guidebook about those, working with a photographer named Steve Terrell. And so are you going to do research on each tree? You're going to mm-hmm. do a little yeah, I've been going to the city, ancestry uh, on them? and <laughs> Whatever they've got. There's the Department of Urban Forestry. I've been uh, hanging out in their office once a week and pouring through the filing cabinet and uh, getting all kinds of stories. I mean, like one of them was a gift from President Nixon <laughs> that the head of the uh, like local development commission went and got an award and came back with a little a little Japanese pagoda tree and a flower pot and Went home do you and think stuck he had anything to do with that? Do you think he actually picked it out or they just uh, stuck his name on the gift? I think that there is a famous Japanese pagoda at the White House and it was his favorite tree. And so he's like, let's give people pagoda trees. Okay. I don't know. So he didn't <laughs> specifically choose the person in Portland then? Oh, no. It was like everybody, like all the local right. people. There was like, she wasn't the only person, you know. But anyway, it's her President Nixon tree. Wow. You have it. <laughs> you really have it. Go- I'm envious. You have it going on. You got. Hiking, breakfast, mm-hmm. and now trees. Yep. And then the other one is uh, English soccer. I'm off next week. That's to to one that I don't okay, that I don't right, relate so to as well as the other. <laughs> no, you don't have to skip it, but it's just it's just not my it's just not my thing. And actually, I should say, you know, I'm a little pissed off because we'll never have baseball yeah, in Portland because we may. But it's a long shot. It was a better shot when we were when there was a baseball field there instead of soccer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's they, beautiful. Uh, they did a beautiful job with it, absolutely. but you know, the one time I went, it was a, it was a one nothing game, mm. and I. Uh, you mean a Timbers one nothing? Yeah, oh, a Timbers yeah. one nothing game. Yeah, it was actually nothing won. Oh, I see. They so, lost. Yeah, they yeah. lost. So, it, and actually, know. it's nil in soccer. Well, talk, that's right. Okay. There, well, there you go. <laughs> I don't. Want, I don't want to do the research. I don't need to learn about yeah. it. It's okay. I'm. I'm happy with my baseball knowledge. Yeah. There you go. So you're. So, <laughs> you only like soccer. 
right? It you, has gotten really to that point. This. I mean, I used to be a sports writer for daily papers, so I used to just live, breathe, and eat sports. Uh, but over the years, it's just gotten more and more distilled down to where soccer is the only thing I want to watch. There's no commercial breaks. They go out and they play for 45 minutes, and they take a 15-minute break, play for 45 more minutes, and then you go home. And you just Fantastic. went to uh, you just went to Europe and did a little yeah, and I'm going soccer back. over there. Yeah, I'll be back there uh, next week after my niece's wedding. Fantastic. Going to be in London for eight days and see seven games. <laughs> wow. It's insane. I did uh, back in 02 and 03, and I wrote, a, I wrote some nice little pieces on it. Mm-hmm. I did uh, almost every Major League Baseball park over oh, two nice. seasons with my sons. Okay. And that's how we landed in Portland. Okay. Um, not that we came to see baseball here, right. but our, we, it, we went from Oakland up to... Seattle, yeah, and this was a stop, and I fell in love with this place. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, came here to uh, see the Grateful Dead. <laughs> is that what, how you got here? It was one of the first times I passed through, yeah. Wow. They played in Eugene. So. so you're a deadhead. Sure I am, yeah. I don't have the pay. It's soccer and, and, and uh, the dead. I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> it's just too long. <laughs> yeah, it that's just true. goes on and on yeah. and on and on. Yeah, in both of them, you go through long stretches where nothing happens. Yeah. So, <laughs> what is it about that? That doesn't happen at breakfast oh, unless when it's it, bad service. It's because when it does happen, it's pure magic. That's why. Well, that's true. There's <laughs> and there's lots of intoxicants involved in both. Well, of them I, as well. that's the key. I think there's. <laughs> I think there's uh, something that I'm not seeing, and maybe it's that. The, yeah. the intoxicants. Yeah, that's certainly part of it. Although that was, certainly was in my repertoire back in the Grateful Dead days in oh, yeah, the 70s. Mine too. So yeah. uh, sure. I didn't miss out on that, but it still didn't do anything for me. I hey, just well. can't stand the jams. Too much jamming. Sure. Yeah, I can dig that. <laughs> no, you can't. You're, you're, no, you're I mean, I can dig that you don't dig it. I, I never thought that everybody should be into it. I wasn't one of those deadheads. No. Like, I don't All actually... my fr- a lot of my fr- good friends were deadheads. Oh, I yeah. just, but I. You know, yeah. I, I guess it's, I grew up in Memphis. I was the only deadhead within like 500 miles, as far as I knew. Oh. <laughs> wow, Memphis is a Memphis is a, a beautiful city. Some great barbecue there. Absolutely. So you're a barbecue fan. Where do you like barbecue here? Uh, well, Podnas Pit, obviously. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was the place? Uh, maybe it's still there. That's like in the parking lot of the New Seasons at 33rd and Killingsworth. I can't remember the cannons. Oh, maybe? that guy. Yeah. No. Is they, the are they still seasons. there? No, I don't know. I don't know. I, I used to live in that neighborhood. No, I, I wouldn't get up know. there much anymore. But no, if I want barbecue, I go to Podnos. Have you tried Reverence yet, the new mm-hmm. one? No, and there's a food cart, too, um, out in the uh, Foster Pod. Carts on Foster, where uh, the egg yolk is. The okay. egg, egg carton, sorry. Egg carton. There's a little f- breakfast cart out there, like 50-something in Foster. So and there's a barbecue joint in there, too. What are your favorite breakfast carts? Uh well I like the uh, the brunch box if I feel like just tormenting my body for a little while have mm-hmm. you been to that place you're in good shape you, oh, yeah, you don't do look okay. like a, a guy I look like the guy who's been doing the breakfast <laughs> book um Blue City Biscuits really good they're actually the person that started that is from Memphis okay and, uh, so you know it's biscuits and gravy and grits and country ham and that kind of stuff um are they in your book did you do yeah parts in fact, in your for book? this edition for the last edition I had Brett Burmeister write it. Okay. Uh, for this edition, I did it myself, and there's like 16 of them. Oh, nice. So, so 16 carts, and how yeah. many restaurants are in there? Well, it was, uh, it was 119 until yesterday when Sub Rosa announced that they were closing, so now I'm down to 118. <laughs> it's a, that's, so, a, that's a tradition, actually. So don't you Usually, have one uh, that, you, that, that got knocked out earlier that you can just pop in now? 
uh, to get it back pro- up to 119? I probably should, but the designer would kill me at that point. Right. Because so, the book's well, all no, laid out. Well, the space up. is there. You just add. Yeah, we got to figure. But then all the pages have to change. And I don't know what we're going to do. I've never actually. heard of Sub Rosa. Oh, is it 26th Maybe that's the reason Clinton? they're closing. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I used to write about like when Bastas, you know, Bastas, the Italian mm-hmm. place on 21st, they used to do an awesome brunch. And I had them in the book, and I was like, this place is fantastic. They got their own parking lot. The food is awesome, and there's no lines. It's like, nobody goes. You should go check it out. And, of course, they closed because nobody was going there. So every edition, somebody either closes or quits brunch while it's at the printer. It's a fine tradition. This week, Sub Rosa actually beat it by a week. So somebody else is going to close in in the next three or four weeks. Somebody's going to contest to see who that might be. (laughs) I actually have a couple of uh, a couple in mind, but I probably shouldn't say that. Places that seem like they're on their last leg, you know. And they're in the book. uh, One of them this time is not because the staff was like, "I don't think we're going to be here next week. I don't know what's going on with the landlord." Blah blah blah. So I took them out, and then they got it worked out and stayed open. So So I won't ask (laughs) you to name the place, but Mm -hmm. can you tell us of your worst service experience? Worst service experience? Yeah. I can tell you the worst food. I'll even name that place. Let's hear it. Because they're not even in the book. Okay. (laughs) Where's the worst? And and was this a place that you went on other people's recommendation? uh, It was just a place that I knew about, so I went to check out uh, breakfast at O'Connor's in Multnomah Village. Oh, I'm okay. There's there's quite a few restaurants in Multnomah Village that need a little improvement. There's there's a Mexican (laughs) place, Acapulco Gold. Uh, yeah, yeah. That I went to the other night was the worst meal I've had in Portland, mm. Oregon. Yeah, the uh, the the word that we used and for O'Connor's the, is not for the, the, the breakfast there was sour. It was like the food, like everything had just gone bad. Or I don't know what. I what is it about Multnomah Village that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think Marco's is okay. Have you been? And uh, I always love to say this: Otto and Anita's. No. European. Mm-mm. It's unbelievable. Okay, it's just—it's like you're in the back roads of. You would like it. Okay, you're in the back roads of Pennsylvania, hmm. and there's a sign, and there's a restaurant in someone's basement. <laughs> nice. And and they're friendly, and the food is fantastic. You can look at the reviews; they're all close to five stars, but no one knows about it. It's a okay. little sleeper spot. All right. In Multnomah Village, I just went for dinner this week to uh, the Gallo Nero, the new uh, Italian place down in Ninth and Everett. Really tasty. Never. I go to Tuscany every year. I take a group from the Mazamas local hiking club. We go to Tuscany every year to go hiking and eating. How much? How much of your time do you spend traveling? Oh, a couple months a year. Fantastic. If I get it right, you know. We all have to start writing books. (laughs) That's. I'm not gonna. It sounds like a great deal. You also have to write off uh, financial security and retirement plans and uh, relation. Well, I have a relationship now, but you know, Um, yeah, it's it's its own lifestyle for sure. But anyway, so there's this kind of pasta that I'd only ever had in, God, I sound so arrogant when I say this, but like in Tuscany, I'd had this pasta called Pici, P-I-C-I. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen it in a restaurant. It's a real like dense, I want to say, chewy. I'm sure there's a better foodie word than that, but pasta. And it's rolled up. It looks like little joints. <laughs> Literally, it's like little three inch long kind of twisted And no one's serving end. it here? Well, Gallinero serves it oh. with uh, with pancetta and pecorino cheese. It is outrageously good. Oh, so fantastic. Go That's yeah. good to hear. So let me ask you, uh, okay. do, do you interact with your readers a lot on your website through yeah. your email? So yeah. And on someone Facebook. has comments yeah. uh-huh. on Facebook? Yep. And, uh, and I go to a lot of street fairs and uh, markets and stuff to go sell books. And so I'll meet them out there. Meet a lot more hiking people than breakfast people because that book has sold a lot more. Okay, uh, so so you're a Talis top of your list. Mm-hmm. You got another few new ones that people may not know about. 
Uh, other new ones, let's see. Uh, I guess Irving Street Kitchen's not really that new. Oh, it's anymore. fantastic, though. Yeah, but, but it's really good. Yeah, but sometimes if something isn't new, uh, it needs to be new again because right. uh, the, the new is important in Portland, although not so much at breakfast, I, I think. Yeah, that's true. You know, um, some of the older places do really well. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my favorite places are Alita Library Cafe. Yeah, I love that place. They, they quoted me on the menu. Did you see that? I don't think I saw that. I, I wrote a paragraph that. in the book that said I thought about moving to that neighborhood so I could walk to Arlita every day and they yeah. put that on the menu. I think oh, that that yeah. Broder, Tasty, I know I'm forgetting some. Mm-hmm. I've had a good brunch at Ned Ludd. Um, but those yeah. are those are the first ones that come to mind, and those are the places that I tell friends they have to go. For me, it's like uh, people always ask what's my favorite, and I usually break it down into categories. Right. So like diner, I go to the Stepping Stone. Um, I had a bad experience there once. I'm so. not surprised at all, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay. Just a dumb experience. A dumb. They one. had I had a I had a coupon for something at restaurant.com. Mm, yeah, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was that they they set it up so that I had to spend less to get more, and I oh. I was giving them the option, of, <laughs> and they said no, you need to you can only and it was yeah. really bizarre. Huh. But, for me, though, uh, so let's see, best food. I used to always say Simpatica. Now I'd probably say that or Atala. Hadn't been a Simpatica in a year or so. That's, so that's high out. praise for Atala. Yeah, I really like that. Um, and then, though, then there's this thing of, like, what's the quintessential Portland breakfast place? Like, if you got one day in town, yeah, where Yeah, that's a, always the question I ask. Um, for me, honestly, I think it's Zell's on Southeast Morrison. You know that place? I, I know of it. I yeah. haven't been there. It's just, like, it's just perfect kind of combination. It's... It's like Portland classy, as much classy as Portland can get, but also a little bit hippied out, you know, but also a lot of really good, a uh, lot of options. And this old drugstore, like all the little pockets in the wall above the uh, counter for the medicines are still in there. Oh, that's and, cool. And uh, they give you a scone as soon as you sit down, and they got this fantastic mushroom omelet. I don't know. It's just like, it's kind of the sister restaurant of B-Sauce. I had the uh, the best chanterelle omelet mm. I've ever had at the place called the Coffee House in Newport. Oh, okay. that place is a great little breakfast spot. Okay, so yeah, uh, you're you're going to be my for the fourth edition. You're going to be my coast correspondent. I'm happy to do it, <laughs> and I'm enjoying doing it. I've got it all set. I've already sent you some ideas, and I'm yep. I'm ready to uh, find out a few more. All right. So thank you so much for coming. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you with the book. Yeah, thanks. Uh, everybody needs to get breakfast in Bridgetown. It is a must. For anybody, seriously, yeah. and I wrote this on my Facebook page, it is a must for anybody who likes to eat in Portland. Thank you. That is a, um, and that is a very broad audience. Yeah. So <laughs> that broad audience should be buying the book and hiking too. Uh, yeah. You've really done some great things for this city. And, um, wow. and I think the more people that know about it, the more, will, the more they will enjoy their, their life here. That's what I hope. You know, I think so. You, uh, you get up in the morning, you have some breakfast, you go hiking. And then you come back do whatever you want. Go to happy hour, I suppose. Or go to on a Portland food adventure. Yeah, one of those two <laughs> things. Thanks, Paul. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. I'd like to hang out with Paul. Yeah. Yeah, he's over breakfast. <laughs> yeah, well, I've had one breakfast with him, but I'd like to go on a hike and just, you know, he does, really, what a great thing to enjoy your life, to decide, I'm going to write some books, I'm going to write it about these two things. Mm-hmm. And and then on top of that, he's got a travel business uh, going to Nepal. Yeah, he's all kinds of interests 
intersecting there. That's what it's all about, right? I mean, he's he's living the Portland dream is when you can merge all those things together and make a living off of it. Well, I think beyond that, he's living the dream. You come to Portland, you live, you ge- geographically, you're in a great place, and then you go beyond that and you do what other people in other parts of the country and probably where he's from in Memphis can't appreciate. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got to pick up a, a copy of his book because with my son now being at an age where he can wait a little bit more patiently <laughs> than, than in previous years. Like yeah. we, we could handle things with a little bit of a wait, but it's nice to know that there are all these places, and he mentioned a few of them in the show, that uh, you can go where there, where there isn't a wait. Uh, breakfast in Portland does not equate a long well, wait. Well, I, I also believe that if you're really going closer to breakfast and less to brunch, you can do better. So if you're out of the mindset to get somewhere at 8.30 or 9, <sighs> you're in great shape. See, yeah. that's no problem for me. <laughs> yeah, but to, like, you know, every day of the week, I'm already, it's a, trying to get out the door and hurry, 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 and wear your shoes and all that, and to I, try and I, achieve that. Um, but, you know, but breakfast is an easier thing to do as a family as well. Uh, and especially if you can get there earlier because yeah i mean it's it's easier if you can if you can pull it all together and do it uh out in lake oswego uh we love babaka hen and we've had some fabulous breakfasts out there and i only have one experience and i i like the place that was there before yeah better la provence oh well la provence is coming to my area as well in beaverton and everybody's very very excited about it because we don't have a ton of great breakfast options. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I like breakfast in my pajamas at my house, <laughs> quite honestly. Well, at the end of the day, there's so many times where I'm getting ready to go out, and then all of a sudden you go, you know, it's just easier to make here. And breakfast is a fairly easy thing to make. But you can't do what some of, you know, places like Atala and Tasty, you can't do that stuff. So that's a special experience. And I, you know, the first place... I'll take someone from out of town, which I mentioned was either Tasty, if you know there's an hour we might be able to get in during the week, we can do that, or Broder. I just, I there's something about Broder that everybody always warms up and falls in love with the city right then and there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I also love lunch, and if if a place serves breakfast all day or really later into the day, like getting into lunch hours, I find that if you go, you know. 11.30, noon, even 1 o'clock some places are still serving brunch. That's a nice option as well uh, because then you can kind of plan your day around it and you don't have to struggle to get out the door at a certain time. And then you can go walk around at any one of the neighborhoods that a lot of these places are well, in. I was going to say, when you're there at 11.30, I'm, I'm already doing my hike. Good I'm for gone. you, I'm Chris. <laughs> right Sometimes on. anyway. Or right. That's the image I want to leave. <laughs>